0: Hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Insurance Town, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so glad that you are here. If you're seeing on the video, I am wearing glasses now. Uh, Some of you have seen that and made comments on that uh, lately. Uh, Yep, my 2020 vision. And my perfect record of having great vision for 42 years straight has now gone away. <laughs> so yeah, I do have glasses now. So that's interesting uh, for me, but uh, if those of you are not, you're like, uh oh, shut up, about your glasses. I don't care. So you can fast forward uh, to the next uh, part of the show. So uh, today I am so glad that you are here because we have uh, a great guest on today. <laughs> and um, Brian Ahern has been here before on the show. He's a fantastic guest. Uh, he talks about the power of influence and persuasion, and it's some really good stuff. No matter where you are in your career, uh, what position you are in the insurance industry, it's solid. Even if you're not in the industry, it's a great conversation. Make sure you check it out. Uh, he's going to talk about his books and the whole nine. So on to today uh, and our sponsors for the show today. I got to lead off uh, in no particular order with my good friends over at Cover Desk. Uh, they do such a great job with virtual assistants. Uh, It's unbelievable. I've gotten to work with them firsthand. I've referred business to them for years. I've been on calls with them on sales calls and on training calls, and they do an amazing job. And when they are hired, they do extensive training in our industry. So if you're looking to add staff, if you're looking to expand, if you're looking to uh, do uh, some, take some administrative tasks or some of those tasks off the plate of some of your staff at the office, I just think that it, uh, a VA is a, a great option for you. And you should uh, check them out over at Coverdesk. Make sure you let them know that Heath sent you or the mayor sent you or you heard about it from Insurance Town um, and get your demo. Uh, talk to them about uh, what they do and really, uh, really get into it with them because they do a great job. Be on the lookout in the coming months. We're going to do a special episode with them about VAs for those who have questions about it. Uh, also my friends over at canopy connect, uh, they are your one click solution to get in the deck pages. You need to quote your prospects. Um, I really do think they're another game changer for your agency because they do, uh, they want to help you grow and they want to help you to streamline the referral process, to streamline the uh, customer experience, uh, and to make that just a better flow for you. Um, no more of that back and forth of the question, no more of all, just send them a link, have them fill out what they need, and all of a sudden you get uploaded onto your dashboard, all their deck pages, claims history uh driver's list vehicle list all of those things so check those out uh cover desk canopy connect tell them the mayor sent you now sit back relax and enjoy my conversation with brian ahern brian ahern my main man how you doing brother
1: i'm doing great how are you doing eve man
0: it's good. We were just—I'm uh, good. We were just talking about it off air a little bit, but it feels like we just talked yesterday. But it's been a little while, and so I see you all over the place. I see you doing all kinds of—you know—speaking events, and you're doing lots of fun stuff out there. And last time we talked, your daughter was getting married. Did that all happen? Everything went off without a hitch.
1: Oh yeah, she got married in June. And uh, Heath, I know your kids aren't to that stage yet, but I will tell you, it was bar none the best day of my life. Um, oh, that's amazing. It's that there, was the summer, right? Yeah, it was uh, June 3rd. And there is something about raising this person. I don't know about a dad and a son, but a dad and a daughter, and you hand yeah. her off to somebody, and it's like everything comes together. You don't realize like what you're fully getting into when you first get married, but I've been married now for 34 years, and then you realize what it takes, and you've raised this little human being into a full-grown adult. It was so impacting. And I will be upfront with you that every time I watch the, the highlight video of the wedding, I cry because it was just Uh, such a
0: joyous occasion. That's awesome though. I mean, that you got to experience that and be there through that and be able to take some time away from speaking and all the things that you do Mm -hmm. to be able to be a part of that. That's, that's pretty sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I was, uh, I've been noticing, like you've been, on quite the tour of, you know, speaking at different, uh, I guess, carriers, different like big IPA events. You've done a lot of cool stuff lately. I think you were at Columbia Insurance not too long ago, which I had uh, one of their representatives on my podcast, Shelly DeVore recently.
1: Yeah, I know Shelly. And uh, so, yeah, I've done uh, work with Columbia. I was up in Michigan working with Frankenmuth Insurance. Yeah, that's a good
0: Uh, company too.
1: Yeah, great. It It was in a really cool little town. If you've never been there, really cool little town. Uh, just like yeah. German, old German world motif. It was really, really neat to to walk around. And you know, one of the things I really enjoyed, Heath, is I. It's been almost four years since I stepped away from State Auto Insurance, now part of yeah. Liberty, to see old friends and co-workers, and and really they're one and the same. When I see them on the road it's awesome. It is just so yeah. nice to reconnect and think about the old days and find out what they're doing. And, and, you know, when you stand in front of a big group, it's just nice when you look out there and you say, friend, friend, friend. And yeah. so I've, I've loved it.
0: Yeah. It's, a, it's such a small family that we have here in insurance. Yes. It's big, yeah. but it's also so small and what it is. And, you know, you run into people and you just, it's really interesting. Um, And I've had that same experience throughout my career. And it really is a cool experience to be able to see that, like you said, friend and catch up. So, yeah, I was just uh, excited to be able to get you back on here again because you have such a, a, you know, pardon the pun, but such an influence on our industry. And I know that's a big part of what you're about. And your website even and influencepeople.biz, I mean, you've got you know, the whole thing. And I think you've really embraced that well. And that's something that for me uh, personally, I, I really am I'm proud to see. And I love to see because I'm trying to figure out, you know, the whole mayor thing and what my influence will be, what my persona and my thing is. And, you know, I've really, you know, gravitated towards your material and seeing what you're doing with influence of people. It's been really cool. And I'm like, what is my takeaway? What is my thing? And so it's been really cool. My journey. But to be able to watch you embrace yours and move forward in that and, um, you know, for those who don't know you um, and they haven't listened to the show from back in February of last year, it's been a little bit. Let's catch up the audience a little bit of who you are. Tell us a little bit about your background, maybe starting at, you know, midway through your career or something. Just kind of walk us up to how you got to be this world renowned speaker influencing people all over the country.
1: Sure. Well, it was during my time at State Auto and I came across the work of Dr. Robert Cialdini. And I was involved with sales training, uh, primarily working with the field reps and then eventually working with independent agents. And when I came across Robert Cialdini's material on the psychology of persuasion, or we sometimes call it the science of influence, I was captivated because it fully explained all the sales training, why some approaches work, why some don't. I realized too that when you understand the underlying principles you have so many more avenues to go rather than just learning a technique of how to how to deal with people. And and then I also really appreciated the fact that he had a very strong stance on ethics and I also love the fact that it was all based on analytics. Uh, based on research from social psychology. You know what I share with people is not Brian Ahern's good advice. I have lots of good advice, but I want to give people information where they can look at it and say, wow, this has worked for a lot of people. And here's the research to back it up. So I, I really gravitated to it. I began to weave it into everything that I was doing when I was doing sales training, when I was doing coaching, when I was doing uh, working with leaders, all of it. Uh, and it just made a huge difference. And then I made the decision almost four years ago to step away from the corporate role. And I knew that I was going to do this with the rest of my career. And so thank you for the acknowledgement, for example, of the website. I had started working on that years before I left the company because I knew I was going to need to create a footprint so that when I did step away, I'd have something fully formed to step into. And I'm I'm very thankful that I did that. And then since leaving, I've I've written three books on influence, uh, how to use it in business, how to use it specifically in sales, how to use it just overall in life. And it's been an awesome journey. And And I've loved the fact that when I've stepped away, I've also started to meet significantly more people than I would have if I had stayed in a corporate role, no matter how big the company.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I have, like I said, I've really enjoyed, you know, seeing some of that. And, you know, last time we talked, we got into some of this, but. And I don't want to repeat last time that we talked, but I do want you know as you talk about influence, you talk about persuasion. Mm-hmm. A lot of people can mistake persuasion and influence and all that for manipulation. And I know that you are you know have a big strong you know conversation on that in in your book. Um, I think it uh, I don't remember which book it was, but uh, talk about that a little bit, like understanding the difference between ethical persuasion and manipulation.
1: Okay, well, we're all influencing people every day. I like to say, Good from or mad. Womb. yeah, womb to tomb. I mean, the moment that a child comes into the world, it has needs, it can't verbalize them, but it will communicate in the only way it knows how, which is usually crying or screaming. And we have to figure out, you know, burp the baby, change the baby, feed, wh- whatever we have to do. But through the course of our life, we are going to try to Im- impact people's thinking and behavior. So, Influence, the way that I look at it, I default to Aristotle's definition, which says influence, um, or or we actually he uses the word persuasion. He says it's the art of getting somebody to do something that they would not ordinarily do if you didn't ask. So it really makes a difference in terms of how we ask. And the difference between ethical influence and manipulation is this. The first thing that we talk about with ethical influence is we always tell the truth and we don't hide the truth. It's not enough for me, Heath, to be upfront and honest with you about certain facts if I'm holding something back that would probably materially impact your decision-making. So I always tell the truth and I don't hide the truth. The second thing that, that I do is I only use the psychology that's natural to the situation. So I don't claim false scarcity um, knowing that just people want things more when they think they're less available. I don't claim that false scarcity if it's not there. I don't uh, falsely talk about lots of people doing something if they're not. That's what we call social proof. So I only use the the psychology that's natural to the situation. And then perhaps the most important thing when it comes to being ethical is it cannot be one-sided. What I am trying to get you to potentially do cannot just be for Brian Ahern's benefit. It has to be good for you too. And so I like to put it this way, good for you, good for me, then we're good to go. And if we can hit all three of those in truthfulness, using the psychology naturally and and creating mutually beneficial or win-win situations... Then I think we are acting in an upright ethical manner.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, good for you. Good for me. Good to go. I, I like that. A lot. I think we talked about that a little bit last time, so I'm glad you were able to repeat that. Because as we break that down into um, you know a, a sales situation in the insurance space, because again we are an insurance town, you know when you're talking through that, you know in that process, what is that you know give me an example, you know of what that could look like in everyday sales situation? How you've seen a lot of people that. Whether they mean to or not, they're being unethical, or maybe they're misleading a little bit. Maybe, like I said, maybe it's on accident.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first thing that an independent agent and any salesperson really has to be focused on is it's not about making the sale. It's about helping the customer. And having spent the entirety of my career in the insurance industry, I know this, Heath, you know this, and probably people listening to your podcast know this. Most people, uh, or at least a far too large a percentage, are probably underinsured, uninsured, or don't have the right uh, coverages and or limits. So however you want to look at that. And so the the role of the agent is to, based on what they learn from that individual, craft a, a protection package that is right for them. And If you do that, well, yeah, you're going to make a sale, but the focus can't be the sale because when people feel like all you're here to do is to make a sale, that's where they start putting up the defenses. But when they really get a sense that you want to help them, that's where they start to lower those defenses. They're more open to what you're talking about, engaging in conversation. And that's what I think we need to focus on. And then the principles can actually help make that become a reality
0: yeah I think you're right. and I think that you know also you know too many times when um, with you know for example rate increases, you know, whether you're in a coastal state or you've had a natural disaster or just natural like rate increases, you know you've been your state auto, I've worked for carriers. it's just part of it. you're gonna have natural you know rate increases. people want to shy away from that or they want to skirt that or they want to find another way maybe to, Instead of, you know, explaining it the right way, maybe they'll lower their, you know, their rates or they'll lower their, I'm sorry, their limits or their raise their deductibles or find some other way of making it cheaper. Hmm. And I think that's also a trap you can get into. And I think, you know, it has to do with what you're talking about right now. And it's frustrating to see that because if you're a good independent agent, you find a way to be honest and influence them the right way by saying, you know, here's what we're dealing with. You know, mm-hmm. let's look for some discounts or let's look for some opportunities here. And, you know, here's why your rate went up.
1: Right. I, I talk about using the principles to inform people into a decision. Nobody wants to be sold. Everybody likes to buy. I don't know how many people like to buy insurance. It's not a field good sure. buy. But when people feel like they can walk away and, they, and they're educated, they understand why certain mechanics are the way that they are, they will be more open. But the thing to establish early on, Heath, is is what we call liking. Now, it's not about me getting you, Heath, to like me. It's about me doing everything I can to like you. Because I know this, I would never manipulate my friends. I will work harder for my friends. And so the more I get to know you as a potential or a current client, the harder I will work. And when you see that, when you really can look and say, man, Brian really does like me. Brian really does care about me. That's what opens you up to listening to what I might share, there's lots of other things that we can do using the principles to to inform you the right way and to make sure that whatever is happening you recognize is still in your best interest. But I really believe it all starts with that principle of liking.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I love when you talk about in your your most you know your previous book uh, about the different personality types. Mm-hmm. Can you give us one or two, three, however many there are? Just give me a couple of those. Let's talk about, you know, the deal model and how to influence those different personality types. Okay. So
1: there's lots Oops. of different models available for people to try to understand others. And I think when you're in a sales situation, you need something that's quick and fairly easy because, you know, if you went through Myers-Briggs, I'm not going to say, hey, Heath, are you an MJKI? Or, and I'm not going to ever figure that out. Might be good for your own self-knowledge, not necessarily useful in the interaction in sales. So my deal model is is very similar to DISC, but I call it deal because we deal with people. And as a salesperson, you want to close deals. So it makes it memorable. And deal is driver, expressive, amiable, logical. Those are four very basic personality types. And when you understand, for example, somebody is very task-focused, they'll stay at the office to get something done before going out with their friends. And they want to be in control. That's typically what we would call a driver personality. And I don't want to deal with a driver the same way that I do an expressive or a logical. So I don't try to sell to everybody the same. I try to quickly recognize what their personality type is. And then that begins to inform which principles would be most effective. So for example, um, with a driver, I'm not going to hammer liking a lot they're probably not so concerned about being friends. I will certainly be polite. I am going to still tap into that, but I'm going to focus a lot more on what they may lose if they don't go along with the recommendation that I'm putting forth. People who are drivers typically don't like losing. And so the slight reframe from gain to loss can make a huge difference in terms of their willingness to make a decision. And I also tell people, focus on consistency. Uh, That principle that says we feel this internal an external pressure to be consistent in what we say and do well people who are drivers uh you know they really believe that once they've made a profession or they've done something or or when they put their beliefs out they really believe that they are right, and so if I can tap back into what they've said or what they've done or or what they believe, it makes it easier for them to see the merits of what I'm offering. So that's one example using the four different personality types, or or one of the four.
0: Yeah, I think that's really cool, um, and, I, and I think that uh, it's interesting when you can, you know, I guess you can find all of the personality types in the book. And so if someone wanted to purchase your book and find out more. Because I think there really is, and there's a book that uh, you and I both have read. If you're, especially if you're uh, pace setters or part of uh, state auto, was I think it was called the Psychology of Selling. Do um, you know? Brian,
1: well, Brian, I know the Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I, I got that book through the state auto program uh, that I went through. So, but I do think there's a you know there's several other books on that, but I do think it's fascinating to go through that. So I would highly recommend the persuasive selling for relationship driven insurance agent book that you wrote that came out last year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it'd be good to go through that. And there, I think there's eight steps in his sales process. He talks about finding out which principles of influence are most effective. So there's all kinds of cool stuff within that book. So I'd highly recommend that. And uh, I, I think it's super cool. And I think that's also, and I would love for you to talk about this a little bit, not just for salespeople, uh, I think that could be used to, whether you're in underwriting, whether you're in claims, yeah. whether you're uh, any role in insurance, or even if you're someone outside of insurance listening to this show right now, mm-hmm. I think the principles of persuasive selling apply to lots of different facets.
1: Absolutely. I mean, underwriters might have a typically a different mindset than maybe an insurance agent. They're driven by different things. But still, through the underwriting process, you are having to influence uh, that insurance agent's decision-making. You know, it could be on price, it could be on coverage, it could be on exclusions. But there are things when it comes to price terms and conditions that you are going to, based on your experience, uh, see as beneficial, not just for the company, but for that agency. And so you've got to have an ability to convey that information. That's influence. So even if you don't consider yourself a salesperson, you are still influencing people and you need to understand how to do it to the best of your ability.
0: Yeah. And that goes back to uh same thing with your, if you're a commercial salesman or, you know, any kind of salesperson in the insurance business, but I relate this more to commercial insurance. The relationship with that underwriter is so crucial. And not only do you have to sell your client, but you also have to sell your underwriters. Yep. And so uh, if you could find a way to sell that the right way and do it with persuasive selling, I think you'll be able to get a lot more past the underwriter's desk and you'll be able to close a lot more deals.
1: Yeah, and so think about this, Heath, probably any position within an insurance company or an insurance agency, you're gonna have to influence people. CSRs are having to directly influence the customers who are coming in or calling in. If you're a leader in a company, you're having to influence your team into taking certain actions to keep the ball moving forward if you are trying to settle a claim, that's a persuasive conversation. Trying to get that claimant to do certain things so that you can help them settle that claim fair and fast. It's replete throughout the industry. And and we're only talking insurance, but you go to almost any position in any company, you are having to influence people's thinking and behavior.
0: Right. And again, influence, not manipulate. And I think that's a big you know, thing I want to continue to stress because it's so easy to get that, that line blurred.
1: Yes, it absolutely is. And, and that's where I'm going to go back one more time to that principle of liking. If you go into whatever your role is and you are looking to incorporate that principle, if for no other reason, self-interest to say, I want to like the people that I work with. I want to like the clients I serve. I want to like my boss or I want to like my employees. I'm not saying you got to become best friends and connect on Facebook or go out for drinks, but where you can say, you know what? I really like that person. That is what is going to remove manipulation from the equation because I won't manipulate my friends. Heath, I know you won't manipulate my friends. I trust that your listeners wouldn't manipulate your friends. So let's make friends out of the people that we are interacting with continually.
0: Right. And so what if those people, if, if they're in the audience, let's say, you know, we're talking to 10,000 people right now. Someone raised their hand, in the audience and says, what if I have a hard time building that rapport and have a hard time getting to that place yeah. to liking them, Brian Ahern, what do I do then?
1: Okay. I love Abraham Lincoln once said, I don't like that man very much. I need to get to know him better. And I am a firm believer that if we get to know people, we're going to find some things that we have in common. We may find that we're cheering for the same sports team, have kids around the same age, pets, whatever. And when we begin to find that, we make a concerted effort to start our conversations around that because it engenders good feelings on both sides. And you know, once you find that thing, it's easier to find the second and the third. And the same for things that you can compliment somebody on. Everybody has some good. And so- If I'm spending time getting to know you, Heath, and then I start to see those things about you that are worthy of a compliment and I make sure that I do it, not only is it causing you to like me, but it's making me think more highly of you. And that also creates that liking. And and if it's done in a genuine spirit, that's where other people sense it and they begin to respond to it. Now, although I'm an optimist, I'm not going to say that every person will reciprocate that and like you to the same degree. But even if they don't, if you can still look at that that person and say, you know what, even though other people don't really like them so much, I do. I get along with them and I can get things done. You're still ahead of the curve at that point and you're enjoying your job more.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it goes back to what you talked about a minute ago and that being genuine. And so, you know, too, too, too many times it's too easy to, to fake it or to be fake in a conversation just to get someone to like you. But again, as I tell my children, the truth always comes out. And so if you continue down that road, then you got to cover up lies with more lies and you got to do this with more of that. And so, I would just tell you, you know, as you're building that report, just be honest, be truthful, uh, be real about it. And maybe you don't end up building a report that you need for that sale. You can't close them all, but at least be true to yourself. Be genuine to yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at a mid-roll ad. And uh, I hate to stop this fantastic conversation. However, it's important to me that I bring this up. And I'm hoping you don't fast forward because I want you to listen to this for a minute. because I'm going to talk about something that will change your agency. Uh, I can promise you that. Um, agency Performance Partners. You've got to check it out. Go to agencyperformancepartners.com. Uh, you've you've probably seen or heard about Kelly Adahue Piro, uh, what her team is doing. Uh, they come in your agency and their new branding, their new slogan, their new logo, their new everything is to be a BFF to insurance agencies, they come in, they want to work side by side with you to help you to train, to be ridiculously amazing. Uh, What would it look like if you had someone to run alongside you and to help you uh, to get better time management, to help you uh, to have a sales process? Maybe you don't have one right now. Uh, Maybe you just need someone to come in and evaluate your agency, give you a physical, so to speak, um, you know, to be able to, to take a look from, you know, a 30,000-foot level, you know, so she's in planes all the time, you know, take that look at your agency and to be able to tell you where you might need to plug some things in and do some different things and to be able to help you to get on the right track. Maybe you need a retention process. Maybe you need a strategy for this or that. APP is the way to go on that. Agencyperformancepartners.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. And another absolute game changer for your agency is Smart Choice. You have heard about networks. You've heard about aggregators. You've heard about all those things, but you know, Smart Choice has been around so long. They're the fastest growing network for a reason. There's no lengthy contracts. Um, they share in their bonuses. Uh, there's no upfront fees, and uh, there's no reason why you shouldn't um, go to SmartChoiceAgents.com and check it out. They even give you higher commissions sometimes. They give you lower premium thresholds. They give you lower volume commitments. All of those things, uh, it's its unbelievable what they will do to help you to succeed. And let's be honest, when you're successful, they're successful. When they're successful, you're successful. So it goes hand in hand. And I, I think it's super crucial that you go. And you don't have to be a new agency or you don't have to do that. If you just need uh, one market or if you need a handful of markets, smartchoiceagents.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. I'm uh, so glad that you did. Now, let's get back to the show.
1: You know, I, I can give an example of somebody who I met many years ago. When I first met him, didn't really like him. Thought they were loud, thought they kind of bragged a lot. just, you know, if I'd had my druthers, I wouldn't have hung out with them. But we also have other mutual connections. And so we started hanging out some. And I make a choice to look for the good. And and what I could honestly say about this person is, you know, you're really intelligent. And I, and I really respect that. And And then as I started looking for other things, even among the brash behavior at times, I could still find those things. And the whole thing is turned around where I really enjoy getting together with this person. And now they're responding back. And it's actually enjoyable for both of us to hang out. But if I had just gone with my instinct, which was, I don't like that person. Then every time I get together with them, it would be like, I don't want to go out with those people. I don't want to hang out with them because so-and-so is there. And and, and that would be more on me than it would be that person. And I would think I would tell all of your listeners how much you enjoy another person is primarily up to you because you can't change them, but you can change you and you can change what you choose to think about. And then you can put that into play. And I think you will be pleasantly surprised at what you find out.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and, I, and I love that you said it that way. So I appreciate that. And so uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I was... Again, this is not necessarily about influencing people, but I found this fascinating. I was reading a, a, an article or a blog that you were interviewed in, and you have, uh, you know, I guess it's an ADHD moment. So I apologize, Brian, but you have some pretty unique, you know, habits and routines that you do in your life. Um, what does that look like for you? What does every day look like for you? And how does that help you in what you're doing every day and influencing people and whatnot?
1: Okay. Well, I will, I will open with the caveat that. Um, my father uh, served in the Marines. So anybody out there is listening and you had a Marine as a father, you'll totally get this. I am a very disciplined person. So for me, Monday through Friday, and most of the time, even on Saturday and Sunday, I'm up a little before 5 a.m. I will, I used to run a lot. I I don't really do that anymore, but I'll go outside and walk three, four, five miles. So I'm outside for at least an hour. That is my time to, to think and pray then I come into the house, spend some time stretching, and then I try to take until about eight o'clock to to read. Uh, sometimes it's um, uh, religious books, Bible or something like that. Uh, other times I'm reading uh, books on influence and psychology. But that's how I start my day. And I was I'm glad you asked this because I was thinking about it the other day. That what is most important to us, we are going to prioritize. And and I think for me, by prioritizing. That, that time to think and faith, it sets everything else in motion for the day. It changes how I will approach people. If I saved it all for the end of the day, well, then you know what? I might've been a jerk through most of the day. And then my only thoughts at night would be, oh my gosh, please forgive me for being a jerk. But But by starting the day out to say, help me God to love you and help me to love my neighbor. That starts to change how I interact with people. And so that that is the thing that sets the tone. I do work out every evening. In fact, when we get done with this podcast today, I'll go downstairs for probably about 45 minutes and I do that five days a week. So those that physical activity is integral for me, but then I also overlay it with also uh, just a lot of reading and studying.
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, I just find that fascinating people that I talk to that I find out they do have that discipline, that routine every day, they're usually pretty successful people. And so I find that interesting and it, it it does. I'm glad you tied that back to influencing people because if you don't start your day that way, if you're not in that routine, and we're all going to have bad days regardless. But sure. if you're in that routine every day and you're doing that, it's going to help you to be that much more focused on the task at hand, which is... You know, training and teaching people to be more of an influencer and do the right thing. And it's just uh, its very important to stay in that. And so mm-hmm. that's something I'm, I'm, I'm working on in my own personal life, of trying to get more disciplined in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I love to, to hear that. and I wanted to hear more from you on that. And I ask a lot of my guests about that. And so I appreciate hey, you me, sharing that.
1: Let me share one little bit of research. And it, it, it never hit me until just recently when I was thinking about this. There are studies that show, for example, when somebody um, has to sign a document as to their truthfulness, let's say taxes, um, they are more honest when they have to sign up front. So if I sign something right up front that says I will be truthful and accurate to the best of my knowledge uh, on this tax form, it's a trigger for me to be honest. If I yeah. If I sign at the end, I might have already been dishonest. There was, <laughs> there was a study done in the UK where they looked at people who were uh, had to self-report on their mileage for their car. When they had to sign up front as opposed to the end, they ended up claiming about 10% more miles. Now, when you multiply that by the number of cars and the premium, it's millions of dollars. So... That alerted me to the fact that when I start my day with a focus on God and others, then all of a sudden I am probably that's probably why I'm interacting in a much better way with people than saving it to the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think that's a good word for people to hear whether it's, you know, uh, Christianity, whether it's Muslim, whether it's whatever that religion is for you or whatever that is for you. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, just positive thoughts. Maybe it's TED Talks, whatever it is for you. But I love that yours is, you know, related back to, you know, Christianity for you, because it's the same for me. Hmm. And I can relate to you on that. And so um, fantastic. I appreciate that. And so again, I, I wanted to to talk a little bit, transition a little bit into uh, your new book, The Influencer. Um, so this book's totally different from the other books that you've written, and I can't help but think in my own mind this is a book about you. <laughs> but from what I understand, it's not. It's just a, a fictional type. Tell me, tell me a little about the book,
1: okay. So during COVID, like everybody, had more time on my hands. And I I realized my first book, which I would say is a business slash psychology book, and then the second book is is heavy sales. There are some people who won't pick up either of those. And I thought, I wonder if I could write a business parable, you know, kind of in the genre of the go-giver and and certain other books like that that are popular. And so I sat down and I started crafting a story about a guy named John Andrews. You literally meet him when he's born. You learn about his family and his background. You follow him off to school, college, into his career. And what is he learning along the way that is helping him to become such a naturally good influencer? And what it ended up being, he was, as I would think about the things he's learning, I started to reflect on things people taught me. So. Virtually every character in the book is based on someone that I actually learned things from. And it was, it was uh, wonderful to be able to honor them that way. But, but the young guy goes into a career, you know, like your listeners, you all started a career or you're starting one. And, and what is he learning about how to ethically influence people in the various roles from these different individuals? Uh, it is not a story about me. This guy's a lot smarter than I was. And he, <laughs> He, and he took his learning a lot more seriously early in his life. And that's a big part of why he was so successful as he moved through his career. But it's um, so it's a story. I mean, if if somebody says, hey, this stuff sounds interesting, but I don't like sales books, pick up the influencer because it's a story. And I will say this, Heath, I knew I was on something good when uh, I have an app where I can import documents and listen to them. So as I would write, I would pull it in and I would listen to it. And my wife and I were driving to Pittsburgh uh, one weekend. And I said, hey, Jane, I'm starting a new book. And I told her a little about it. I said, would you listen to it and give me your feedback? And she really liked it. And I overheard her telling a relative. She said, Brian's writing a book and it's it's kind of like a novel, but it's really good. Almost like I couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> so so I, I knew I was on to something when she was given a third-party
0: testimonial. That's pretty funny. Um, you know, and so why, let me ask Is why from birth? I mean, how long do you spend on the first 18 years of his life? How much time do you spend on that? And not, why did you decide to go that route?
1: I I wanted to set the stage that he's just a pretty ordinary middle-class kid from a right. from a very normal family. And his dad's not a business owner. His dad's an accountant. His mom was in marketing and stayed at home. So you very briefly get that history. I I don't want people to think that he was born under a a star and had certain talents that we didn't. You see, in high school, he's a pretty average kid. Uh, goes off to college, starts learning a little about influence, stumbles a lot when he tries to use it, and kind of forgets about it until he's graduating and he's cleaning up his his room and his old notes. And he thought, you know what? I got all these interviews. I might as well try some of this, and it works. And, and all, of, all of a sudden, he's getting these compliments about, you know, his personal interactions with people. And that kind of sets the light bulb on to where he realizes, maybe I should start paying more attention to this. And then he's very fortunate to get uh, good coaches and mentors in his career. And he's very diligent about listening to what they have to share and trying to put yes. those things into
0: practice. That's really cool. And so um, it just goes to show that all throughout, and I'm teaching my kids this too, to this day at 14. 12 and 10 or nine. um, You can learn things now that will impact you for the rest of your life. Right.
1: You know, you you played sports. I'm sure I played sports and, you know, it was almost cliche to hear your coach say, you're going to learn a lot about life playing this game. Yeah. And in the hot uh, August sun running sprints, you're cursing them under your breath. Like, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, And then you get older and you start looking back and you're like, He was right because the discipline I learned, the teamwork, uh, I was fortunate enough to be a captain. So leading, you know, uh, those guys my senior year, all of these things started to come back and it started clicking. And so my encouragement to you, Heath, is all those things that you're trying to instill in your kids. They may not seem like they're getting them, but there's gonna come a point when they go back and go, Dad, you were way smarter than I ever thought.
0: <laughs> right. I hope so. I sure do, <laughs> because <laughs> it's definitely one of those things. And you know, I just I think it's crucial. And I'm glad you started from birth and then you know as you walk through you know his college days and you know early parts of his career because a lot of people right now listening that are in the first couple of years of their insurance career no matter where they're sitting at you know whatever side of the desk they're on and what role they're in and you you have those days like i just want to give up yeah i'm just really struggling But you can learn a lot right now in this time and just stick with that and and hang with it. Mm -hmm. You know, talk to, I would always just say, be open and honest, talk to your managers, talk to your mentors, tell them how you're feeling and go through some of that.
1: Yeah. And we all hit plateaus and I saw this. So when I was in college, I was a competitive power lifter and I did bodybuilding for years afterwards. And when you're in the gym and you're working really hard, you hit these points where nothing seems to be changing. You're you're bench pressing the same amount for some extended period or your squat's not going up, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, boom, you you explode past it. And if you hadn't put in the work to get beyond the plateau, you would have given up. And the same thing holds in a career where you feel like you're coming in and grinding it out every day. And maybe you see somebody else gets a promotion and, and you don't get it. And you're wondering, why are things working out the way they are? Don't lose hope keep grinding away and doing what you
0: know are the right things and it will pay dividends down the road. I love that. Thank you. That's uh, exactly what, you know, I want everybody to hear on this because Again, I tell people all the time when they get into sales or any kind of position in insurance, really, it takes a good three years to really get your feet underneath you, to get mm-hmm. some renewals going, to just understand the process, to be able to spell insurance. And then, of course, you're, it's going to change again and again and again, but at least you have your feet underneath you and at least mm-hmm. you have some things going. So talk to me about you know, middle age towards the end of this parable um, and what you know what we can learn from that as well. Well, he moves from
1: a sales role into a, a leadership role, where he's leading a small team in in the uh, corporate university for for his company. And so now, you know, he's been the sales guy, but now he is having to motivate people in a different way. He's got to get his team on board with things, and, and he stumbles. and And I'm clear throughout the story that he makes mistakes. He makes some mistakes with his wife. We all do, um, and and yet you see also how he recovers from those. And that's really the, the essence of things. It's not that we make because we all will in our relationships, as a parent, in our career, but how do we recover from those? And and again, you get an opportunity to see him use the principles to make those recoveries and, and probably quicker than most of us do if we are just meandering through life. So you see that, and then you see him move into a leadership role within the company. And so then he's got a larger scope of people he's trying to ultimately interact with. Uh, I won't tell people how it concludes, but I knew when I was done, I mean, I can remember sitting at Starbucks and writing and thinking, "It's, it's done, it's finished. This is the perfect stopping point. And it gives me an opportunity to do something in the future with the second part of
0: his life. That's fantastic. That's uh, and that's uh, great, that You have that feeling at the end of this is a perfect spot to end it because a lot of writers don't get that, you know, and they're, yep. they're that angst and they go back and forth for years trying to come up with that ending. So to be able to put that period or exclamation point or question mark, whatever it is, at the end of that book, that had to feel good.
1: It was. It was. It was a definite exclamation. There was a lot of you know rereading, proofreading tweaking things, but there was nothing beyond that that needed to be added. I just I, I just felt like this is like the perfect ending and uh, I don't know how I came up with it. you know people ask you how do you write a book? I just sat down literally um, very consistently and I'd say, what do I want to have happen next in this guy's life? you know there's a chapter where I remember thinking, uh, boy, he hasn't faced any real adversity yet. So I start writing about and I' just I'm making it up as I go. Um, and which was really fun to be able to, sure. to be that creative. But um, yeah, that's how I, I just kept kind of going linear. And what do I want to have happen next? All
0: right. So I'm going to ask the question that the entire audience in Insurance Town, all my citizens are wanting to know. Are you ready? I'm ready. When this thing goes to a movie, who's going to be the actor that plays the role of the, the influencer? That's a great question. I've never thought about who do now. you picture as you're writing this out who do you picture is that who is the guy playing that role or the female or whoever it is who's the actor playing that role
1: hmm. it's going to be somebody who i i mean you know i could jokingly go oh Brad Pitt but no it's <laughs> it's not it's it's it would be a guy who was pretty ordinary you know Steve Carell without all the humor could have probably yeah. been the guy because you know, yeah. you're looking at him going, oh, there's nothing like super special about this. Yeah. guy." Uh, but you got to imagine Steve a little more serious and, and a little more thoughtful yeah. in terms of it. But it would be it would be somebody who would be somewhat I'm not assuming. Yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit understated, because, again, he's not somebody that you're going to look at and say, oh, wow, he was the star athlete or he was yeah. the, the lead in plays. or No, but but he learns enough that when you interact with him you really enjoy it and that's what draws you
0: to him sure. yeah so I, I like that um yeah cuz i was wondering if you're going to go Brad Pitt or like a <laughs> you know Ryan Reynolds or somebody like that so um i'm glad um so that's funny um that's that's good so um as we're wrapping up um tell me a, a little bit the book when did it release how can people find how can people find any of your books um how can people get a hold of anything that's to do with you or you yourself
1: okay so the best place would be the website i mean you can get all the books on linkedin but you'll find the links and everything right on the website usually in the banner on the on the right side of the page you'll see those you can also on the website see short video recap where i talk about each of the books so you really get an understanding of the books and then what some people have said like what does robert cialdini say about the books, uh, Bob Burr, Dory yeah. Clark, other people who've endorsed the books. So you can find that stuff on the website. Connecting with me, certainly on LinkedIn. Um, I love connecting with people. And and I know I said this on the last show, Heath, but any person who listens and reaches out to me, if you don't tell me how you found me, guaranteed you're gonna get. A message back saying, thanks for connecting, but how did you find me? I like yeah. to know why traffic is coming in. And even if you say, well, I heard you on insurance Town," you're still going to get a personal message back because I think social media should be social. And so I personally answer every single message that comes in. I try to reply to comments that people make when I'm posting information because that's how they get to know me and I get to know them.
0: Yeah. Great. Um, And that is the truth, though. He will respond back. And if you look on, I feel like every time I get on LinkedIn, and I go to message you about something or other, how the kids or you want to come on the show, it always says you're active. (laughs) So I feel like uh, you know you're taking advantage fully of the social media, and I think that's incredible, and I think it's smart, and I think it's wise.
1: Yeah, I um, I dive in deep, and I, I work hard to to build a following, and I I will I will share a secret with with everybody that like when I go to a conference. So I spoke uh, at the uh, Missouri Independent Agency Conference in in March. anytime I get a list, I don't care if it's a hundred or six hundred people. I will reach out to every person I can find on LinkedIn and I will send them a personal message. And I have a system of how I do it. It's not a bot. It is me like literally watching Netflix with my wife, looking people up and sending them a message. Um, but that's how, you know, you, if you're on stage and you're speaking and they like your stuff, people, you, you can't trust that they're going to do the reaching out. So I reach out to them and and I get thousands of connections because of the legwork that I put in. But now those people are seeing, and that's how you build your audience. And it's how you build your potential customer base.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm a huge uh, fan of LinkedIn, social media. Uh, I've really gotten into TikTok lately. um, And uh, I I, I can see Brian Ahern on TikTok doing some good stuff there. So I, uh, I just... I love that you're involved in that. I love that you're easily accessible. Thank you for that. Thanks for jumping on with me. Uh, Thank you for always being a friend. And thank you for being a citizen of Insurance Town. And I I just appreciate everything. I look forward to catching up with you again on part two of this book or another book that you come out with. And uh, I just, I thank you so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. And before, before that book comes out, hopefully we'll find ourselves in the same town on the same stage uh, talking talking to an audience, because it would be great to have some coffee, lunch, dinner, or adult drinks with you.
0: I would love that. I would absolutely love that. So uh, let's try to make that happen. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for hanging out with me and Brian Ahern on the show today. It means a lot to me that you were here. And uh, I really appreciate Hope that the content we brought you provided value to you today, because that is my goal with every single one of these episodes. And guys, I don't ask a whole lot. Um, I don't ask for a lot of things, but I am going to ask you today, if you could go and subscribe, like, find me on TikTok, find me on Instagram, find me on social media, connect with me. We are growing at at such a rapid pace. It's because of you. And I want to continue to do so, continue to get the message out, continue to get my incredible guest out there to you. This is not about me. This is about you, the audience. This is about my guests. This is about my sponsors. This is about all of the things. And I want to continue to grow this town. And I want to continue to do this. It means a lot to me. If you've got any ideas for the show, if you've got any ideas for uh, new guests, um, all of those things, please uh, let me know. Uh, And again, um, one of the other things I want to start doing, I want to start blogging. I want to start uh, getting more into uh, working on my website, things like that. So if you have any ideas for that, if you know how to do that, if you want to be a writer for the show, if you want to help me in any way, uh, please help me with that. Reach out to me, uh, heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. I don't, uh, I'm not the best at all that. I need some help. Reach out to me if you want to be a part of that, be an elected official, so to speak. That would mean a lot to me. Um, Again, we are growing so rapidly and I want that to be more about you than it is me. And thank you so much for believing in me. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of the Insurance Town and I want to continue to grow that. So uh, please feel free to reach out to me with any content ideas, guest ideas, anything like that. And if you have an idea for your own show, I would love to support you in your own podcast. I would love to help you to grow and I'd help love to help you do that. And I've got just a platform for that for you. Go to GetReadySetPodcast.com. Um, my friend Ryan Mayfield uh, does a great job and helps me out dearly. Uh, go to getreadysetpodcast dot com. Uh, Ready set podcast, turning your brilliant ideas into reality. Thanks again, guys, and I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.